What's up, everyone? Welcome to this day for the Sports History for January 18th, 2024. I'm your host, Jim Montgomery. Welcome to a Thursday edition of the podcast. As always, let's start with a recap of the question of the day. And yesterday I asked, where does Jason Kelsey rank among the all-time greats in Philly? And with 55% of the vote, most of you thought that he was top five. Uh, if you add in the, the folks that thought he was top 10, that puts us well up over 60-70%. Uh, there were a handful that said he was overrated and that if he did not give his uh, Super Bowl parade speech, he'd be down on the list. I tend to disagree with that only because I think you need to take into consideration the big picture, the whole picture, and how this dude fit in with Philly. Because, I mean, yes, he's one of the all-time greats in Eagles history in the league. But you could make the same argument like Donovan McNabb was the best quarterback or is the best quarterback in Eagles history. But I think you get him knocked down a few pegs because of his relationship with the fans and just the way he portrayed himself. And I think with Kelsey, maybe it does pump him up a a little bit. But I think looking big picture wise and, and how he fits in and just how he embodies the city. Uh, I've said it a couple times. I, I think he embodies Philly more than Rocky embodies Philly, to be completely honest. A kid from uh, Ohio um, really got Philly and, and really understood what it meant to, to be in Philly. So thanks, as always, for participating in the question today. <clears throat> we will have another question later in the show. 267-495-8531 gets you in on the voice and text line. Leave a text message, voicemail, get your thoughts heard. Um, while you're at it, go to the YouTube channel. If you haven't done so, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Trying to get that hit that 100 subscriber mark because then that opens up so many avenues and so many windows and doors for, for the podcast as far as growing. So go like the YouTube channel, subscribe to it, Jimbo underscore Mont. Even if you're listening to a podcast, go to the YouTube channel because ultimately, eventually, I'd like to use that for more than just posting the podcast possibly some live things, but just go. Subscribe. It's real easy to do. And, and, and as like I've said before, call, text into the, the voice and text line, 267-495-8531. Still trying to come up with a name for it. Uh, so if you have any ideas for a name, text them too. But there's some good conversations that have been happening on there, and it makes it starts getting me thinking that maybe – at some point, uh, as we start getting and, and more people are calling and texting in, maybe like a Discord channel or something to have some discussion. Because there was good, good debate yesterday regarding umpires and referees. Um, I mentioned that we were talking about uh, somebody was talking how the game is different and the foul calls in the NBA. And that led to a whole thing about AI and automated umps and how uh, it could could definitely see it, at least for balls and strikes in Major League Baseball. Uh, it, it brought me back to a story when we were kids playing wiffle ball in the backyard. We had one of those old lounge chairs with the the cloth backs, the, the folding ones. You put that right behind home plate and it hit anywhere on the chair, the arms or the back. It was a strike. If not, it was a ball. It was very, very simple. Uh, so maybe... I mean, that's very, very basic. But if the Major League Baseball does something like that, I, I, I would not be opposed to it. I mean, they have the box every game, no matter what uh, station or channel you're watching. They say, oh, this was outside the box. The ref, or they don't miss this one. So definitely something uh, worth debating. Um, 
So let me know what you think about the the state of referees and umpires. Is it has it changed or is it more just maybe because of our technology and our TVs and all the replays and social media and everything? Is it just being amplified? Um, bonus question of the day for you there: two six seven four nine five eight five three one. It's definitely one of those things that kind of makes you go hmm. All right, Sixers. I want to go back to the game against Denver and just really like I glossed over it because it was a, a big Joe game and it was Joe versus Jokic. But Joe got the credit, but that was a true team effort. And that's a testament, again, to the way <clears throat> Nick Nurse has this team playing. Um, it's just, it's amazing. Like every single guy, like Pat Bev, like uh, Morris, like they're all contributing in their own way. And they're really playing as a team and they really have that that continuity now. And that's going to be key as we go into the trade deadline because a lot of the, the like two guys now that the, the Sixers were linked to now have been traded. Siakam uh, was sent to the Pacers yesterday from Toronto. So he's off the market. But hearing and reading, and it seems like everybody is split. Um, you have some people saying that, oh, well, the, the Sixers are going to be active at the trade deadline. And then you got others saying they might just stand pat. Um, and I, I keep going back and forth. I mean, when this team is on, they're on. And I don't know who avail- who's available in a trade right now that really fits in with what this team is doing. I don't know if another superstar is the answer. I, I feel as though this is uh, Joe and Tyrese's team and everybody sort of fits around there. Maybe they can get a couple pieces. Uh, I don't know. And I also don't think they should be in a hurry because of what they have coming up cap space-wise. They have the extra first-round picks to package around and, and package up and play around with. So I, I don't know. It'd be, it's interesting to see. And, and, and ultimately, it comes down to is anybody they're going to pick up at the trade deadline going to get them past the Celtics is the big question. However, that leads us to today's question of the day. I asked this before, but now that we're getting closer and we're really seeing who this team is and what they are, what should the Sixers do with the trade deadline? Should they stand pat? Should they make a trade? Or should the focus be on the offseason? And and I know standing pat would tend to mean that the focus should be on the offseason. I, I I don't know. Like I was all about them being active at the trade deadline and, and getting better and trying to make a run this year. I don't know if maybe maybe standing pat and, and making a run this year might be the best. I mean, I, I, I just don't know. I know they're going to need something because Joe has made it clear that he's not worried about winning the MVP this year, which to me means he's probably going to take more days off, which is going to take him out of the running because you have to hit a certain amount of games. But they're going to need – they have not played well when he's not in there. So maybe that's what they trade for. I don't know. What do you think? 267-495-8531. Send a text message. Leave a voicemail. Should the Sixers trade or should they stand pat? And if you want them to make a trade, who's out there? What should they trade for? Maybe you don't have to give a specific name because obviously teams are still trying to jockey for position to see where they are. But let me know. who What what should they trade for? Is it a two-way guard? A shooter off the bench? Uh, a backup big man? Let me know. 267-495-8531. Should the Sixers stand pat or should they make a trade? And if they make a trade, what do you want to see them get? 
Flyers in action tonight. Huge game for this young team against the Stars down at the Wells Fargo Center. Very good measuring stick game to see where they're at and if they can continue to grow. Uh, They're another team right now that over the next few weeks, it's going to be very telling on what they want to do and how they they want to proceed like do they want to be rebuilding or are they going to trade and go for it and i mean i think the excitement and what you have i I personally I, i think when you have a young team and you have a chance to go for it and i know you need to take sort of the the flyers past history out of it and the fact that uh the expectations when Bobby Clark and Ed Snyder were here were always different, but it's a new era. And that was their slogan. It's a new era of orange and it's a new era. Like if they got a shot, it's probably better to make the playoffs and gain that experience. And even if they're one and done to gain that experience, and then you have young guys get that first taste. Um, So, but again, there's still a couple weeks before we need to worry about that. And games like tonight are good measuring stick games to see where they are. All right, going to the Eagles. And obviously the big story was Nick Sirianni and whether or not he's going to stick around. Um, And I don't know. I mean, I I tend right now, I'm leaning toward, I think he, he needs another shot. I think the big argument was he lost the locker room, but these guys are coming out and and everyone is saying how much they support him and respect him. Elliot Shore Parks, um, definitely, he did a uh, had a thing on his Twitter yesterday that every player he's spoken to, not even the ones that are not only the ones that are coming out publicly and saying it are supportive of Nick Sirianni. So it kind of makes me wonder: Did he lose the locker room? And you got guys like Cox, Kelsey. Uh, Lane Johnson, Brandon Graham coming out and saying they support him. And to me, like, you had A.J. Brown a couple weeks ago say the same thing. I I don't know if maybe he didn't lose it. And I think based on three years in the playoffs, a Super Bowl championship, um, I I think warts and all, you give him a chance to to try to fix it. And there's a lot to be said about continuity. And I I think – you can't get caught up in the emotion of this. You need to take a step back and look whole picture. And every like Jason Kelsey, I listened to um, some of the new heights yesterday, and basically said not one per everybody sucked. Basically, is what he said, and that's the truth. From the coaching staff, from the GM to the players on the field, everybody during that that slide slumped, and once it snowballed, it, it was out of control. I don't think it's 100% on the coaching. I don't think it's 100% on the player. I think there's f- equal enough blame to go around. I think you got to look, start right at the top and Howie Roseman and who he let go, who he brought in. Um, we, we talk about Howie doing Howie things. And for the most part, like he's able to, to correct things and, and really make some good moves this year. Not so much. And I guess that happens. You're, you're not, nobody's perfect. Um, nobody's going to hit every single move they make. It's just that more did not hit this year than did not. And I think that put them behind the eight ball. They had some injuries earlier in the season too. And I, th- I think we can't forget that the year of the Super Bowl, they were a relatively healthy team. They, they were be- more banged up this year than they, they were in the past. And the guys, especially on defense and the guys that Howie brought in just were not, not the guys. Um, I mean, we'll see what happens. And then you go to the coaching staff. Obviously, that's been well documented. Um, 
go to the players. Like, how much was Jalen Hurts hurt? What was he trying to do too much? And I don't know. I don't think everybody talks about how great the offensive line. I don't think the offensive line played that well this year. Um, and, and I think the coaching staff could have run the ball more, but I think there were times when they would run the ball f- five out of seven plays and not get a ton of yards on it. Um, and the line just was not good. I mean, I, I think everybody on the coaching staff could, could have played better. I, I think short of, um, I mean, I guess A.J. Brown played very, very well for most of the time when he was in there. But, I mean, short of Jake Elliott, I don't know who who played great consistently the entire season. Um, and, again, not all of that falls on the coaching staff. So I think all of this rant to say I, I, I know I'm in the minority and please hit me up, light me up on that that text and voice line, 267-495-8531. But I think you, you got to give him another chance. Only because I, I think you, you don't want to be like we, we we have high expectations in Philly, and we also have a shorter, I guess, attention span when it comes to that. When when things go wrong, we want to blow it up and start over. But that's not. I, I mean, I think you got to take the emotion out of it and look at it logically and look big picture. And how does this? What does that look like to potential incoming coaches if you're going to get fired and constantly have turnover and things like that? So I think you got to see he's a young coach. Everybody gets better with their job as they go. Um, You look at um, what McVay did in uh, L.A., had an off year, brought them back this year, uh, was able to fix some of the problems. So I think you give Sirianni a chance to fix this. Um, I'm not saying – it's he, he's going to, I guess. I'm not, but I think he's earned the right to do that. Uh, I, I I don't think. I mean, it's pretty unprecedented to to fire a coach after going 11 and six, despite the fact that 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 meltdown was epic. But like I said, I think you you give him a shot to to fix it and then see what happens from there. All of that is a moot point because as he meets with Jeffrey Lurie today. We could find out at some point today he's fired, but uh, knowing I'm in the minority, I'm saying give him a shot to try to fix this and then reevaluate where we are. Um, <clears throat> if for nothing else, like the the look and the optics of it, but also, I mean, maybe give him another year and keep the, the offense continuity wise, and and maybe he's able to fix it and and. I don't know. Maybe bring in some some offensive advisor. I, I I don't know what the answer is, but I'll tell you who I don't want. If they do fire, I want no parts of Bill Belichick. One, he's old. Two, and yes, he's the greatest coach of all time. But you, you got to look again. Take emotions out of it. Not the NFL is. Um, I don't know. It dates back probably before 1933. So we're closing in on over 100 years if we're not at 100 years of NFL history. or It has been 100 years. It was just, it's over 100 years. In 100 years, and if you want to take it back to the Super Bowl, this is Super Bowl what? 59? Uh, 58? Uh, I'm not sure what number we're on. No coach has won the Super Bowl with two different teams. So, I mean, could Belichick be the first one? Sure. But I, I want no parts of it. I... I don't want any parts of it. I'm sorry. And again, I might be in the minority on this. Now, if Bill Belichick was 50 instead of 70, maybe. But 
you got to play the the law of averages, man. Nobody has ever done it with two different teams. Sure, the, the coaches have taken teams, Don Chula, Andy Reid, to two different teams or to the Super Bowl with two different coaches or taking two different teams. Bill Parcells did it, but no pers- no coach has won a Super Bowl with two different teams. So I don't want any parts of Bill Belichick if this does. A guy like v- uh, Mike Vrabel is uh, intriguing, but my vote is to give Sirianni another shot and-, and let him try to clean up this mess because I don't think, yes, the head coach takes the, the brunt of it. It's not all on him. I mean, there's plenty of blame to go around. I, I think it's a good wake-up call for that building and let them kind of go see what he can do. Uh, no word on Kelsey's retirement. Uh, he did say that he's waiting for the right time, and when it's time, he'll announce it. I'm wondering if he's waiting till the Chiefs are done and doesn't want to take anything from Travis and whether they have something plan together i don't know that's a speculation but that's the kind of guy he is so stay tuned for that but i will say listening to him talk about the the way the locker room was and the team did make me feel a little bit better and and kind of swayed me a little bit to say you know what let's see what nick sirianni can do uh because nobody played well nobody coached well howie roseman didn't gm well so i mean you can i mean and truth be told jeffrey Lurie didn't own well so I mean, there could could we have been better fans this year? Probably, like pl- plenty of blame to go around. So let's see what he can do. Uh, last Eagles thing, want to say rest in peace to Leo Carlin, uh, who is in the Eagles Hall of Fame. He oversaw the ticket office for the Eagles for over fifty years. Um, he was always the guy when I had to call. They they always played a recording. Um, Talking about the hours and everything. It was always his voice with Fly Eagles Fly in the background. Uh, I did speak to him a handful of times on the phone. Um, Just an A-plus dude. uh, Big part of the Eagles organization. Passed away. So rest in peace to Leo Carlin. uh, Hall of Famer for the Eagles. But really worked that ticket office. And and did a great job. As much as I complain about the the process with tickets. For the most part, Eagles season tickets are very easy to deal with. Um, very easy to work with. Um, and if I have questions or, or need support or anything, uh, they're they're very good. And they, they've worked with me for for going to see the Super Bowl trophy, and that's all a testament to Leo Carlin. So rest in peace, Leo. Uh, condolences to your friends and family and the Eagles organization. All right, Eagles season is over. It's okay. Didn't end the way we want it. But we're less than a month away from pitchers and catchers. And I'm telling you, this team is going to be better than they were last year. And I think, I don't know, they're they're kind of maybe being overlooked because of what the Braves and the Dodgers did. But if you tell me if they can get 250 out of 240, 250 hitting and he can bunt out of Johan Rojas, the Phillies are going to be okay. You have to believe he's been wearing the Believe shirt all offseason during his workout telling you google it if you haven't done it already johan rojas put on it looks like 10 15 pounds of muscle dude is jacked he's wearing the believe shirt get a believe shirt from phillygoat.com they have you covered with all of your philly sports based apparel but get start gearing up for philly season get ready for the sixers and flyers run but i'm telling you be like johan rojas get the believe shirt 
and maybe your arms can look as jacked as his because that's what I'm sure I'm hoping I'm buying one just to cut the sleeves off and maybe magically I'll have the the 24 inch pythons like Johan Rojas does now but geez go to phillygoat.com get the believe shirt use the promo code Jim Montgomery for 10% off your order phillygoat.com time to believe you won't be disappointed and as I like to say help yourself out help them out but more importantly Help me out. Grow this. Like and subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. All right. Sticking with the Eagles. Today, we're going to go back to 2004. And on this day in 2004, the Eagles lost to the Panthers 14-3 in the NFC Championship game, losing for the third straight year on the precipice of the Super Bowl. After a scoreless first quarter, things kind of went south for the Eagles in the second um, douchebag Greg Favors gave McNabb a cheap, dirty hit after he was already down on the ground, which unfortunately caused uh, some tearing, like tore the cartilage off his rib, which ultimately made breathing painful, let alone throwing a football. Uh, but yet, Greg Favors, cheap shot, dirty hit on Donovan McNabb. Uh, Donovan tried to, to uh, go through and, and, oh, by the way, that Greg Favors, uh, hit did not even get a penalty because the ref said oh mcnab wasn't down by contact the way he got hit would have been a penalty today it should have been a penalty back then greg favor should have been thrown out of that damn game and suspended for the super bowl but i digress dirty dirty cheap shot um nobody even andy reed who who was always the nicest person with things basically said i got an explanation i didn't like it or agree with it um and that's his way of, of saying f off that was a dirty hit, uh, cheap shot. Uh, but unfortunately, McNabb tried but never was able to get it going through three interceptions to all three to Ricky Manny Jr. Not all of them were his fault, though. Some um, There were a couple tips. Uh, his wide receivers just completely sucked that day. His first, well, Number one and number two, Todd Pinkson and James Thrash, one pass for nine yards, and Thrash had at least one tip that led to an interception and i think he may have won, run the wrong route on another uh but they did not help him out McNabb was only able to throw for 100 yards before giving way to coy detmer carolina on the day had five sacks and four interceptions the eagles meanwhile had zero sacks and zero interceptions as jake delome and um stephen davis did just enough to to win that game for the panthers I guess the lone bright spot of this game was it showed that the Eagles had a glaring need at wide receiver. They needed a big play wide receiver. And as you, as I always say on this, uh, they saw the need, they took the need, they fixed the need. And as they say, the rest was history. This was the offseason that, or this was the game that ultimately led to the Eagles pursuing Terrell Owens. So, we know how that happened. And one quick side note, I'll never forget this game because I had champagne on ice from the year before from the Tampa game thinking we were going to celebrate and, and have these. So I saved the champagne, had it on ice. remember going out pissed off at that game. Um, and I left early because I, I just always have a sense. I usually don't leave early because I always have a feeling like, but this game you just knew they weren't going to come back. So I left early, was pissed off, and I went to um, just – get frustration out and wanted to break the the champagne bottles and my buddy scotty god rest his soul scotty balls uh was standing out there in our tent and was like jimbo you all right i'm like no i'm cursing whatever so i take the freaking bottle and i go to smash it on the sidewalk ah, 
d- defied the laws of physics. And I, I think there's, uh, I think my other buddy Haas was there too. Um, and Scotty Kenny is not even alive now to back me up on this. I don't know how this happened. I threw that bottle. That thing hit the ground, flipped back up, and landed in. I caught it in my hand. I have no clue, and I swear to God, I'm not lying on this. No idea how that bottle did not break. And then I was like, you know what? F this. That that was just the, that was the kind of day it was for the Eagles. Couldn't even break a champagne bottle. Uh, and I just remember the look on Scotty's face was just like, what the hell just happened? Um, but on this day. Back in 2004, the Panthers beat the Eagles 14-3 in the NFC Championship game. I threw a champagne bottle, and it defied the laws of physics. Uh, And God rest your soul, Scotty. Miss you, brother. But, man, the look on his face was just like, what the hell just happened? All right, today, finally, our free agent who had a fresh start when he came to Philly, Malcolm Jenkins, signed in 2014 a three-year $16.25 million contract. And I specifically remember this and distinctly because everybody wanted the Eagles to sign Jarius Bird. He was the prize free agent signing. Um, ultimately, he ended up signing with the Saints, which made Malcolm Jenkins expendable. Uh, or I shouldn't say expendable, but crossed the Saints off the list of Malcolm Jenkins going re-signing with them. So we had to settle for Malcolm Jenkins. And I remember that was the feeling around Philadelphia at the time. All Malcolm Jenkins did was become one of the best in the league. He signed a contract extension through 2016. He survived the Chip Kelly era into the Doug Peterson era. And not only did he become one of the best safeties in the league, he became the heart and soul of that Super Bowl 52 team. We don't win that Super Bowl without him. Uh, He just was the, the emotional leader for that team. And... Uh, he did a lot off the field fighting for against uh, racial inequality. Uh, some of his tactics people don't agree with because of uh, various things, and I don't want to get into political stuff on this podcast, but I do respect his, his message and his, his opinion and his fight for ending or, and fighting and speaking out against the uh, racial inequality. Uh, but most importantly, for what he did on the field, he was just a, a true leader. Uh, it was one of those times where we were sad to leave him go. We knew he had to go because uh, what he was going to command in a contract and where he was in his career and where the Eagles were, we knew he had to go. But six years total in Philly, 11 interceptions, four touchdowns, including a 99-yarder uh, against Tom Brady and the Patriots, actually. 12 forced fumbles, six fumble recoveries, and five and a half sacks. But it, more importantly, like I said, he was the the unequivocal leader of that that Eagles Super Bowl team, the heart and soul of that defense. And I, I have to say, after that free agent uh, period in 2014, the Eagles definitely had got the best safety in that free agent class because Jerry's Bird was out of the league by 2017. So Malcolm Jenkins, our free agent who had a fresh start when he came to Philly. On this day, back in 2004, Eagles lost to the NFC, uh, the Panthers in the NFC Championship game, 14 to three, after McNabb suffered some torn cartilage in his ribs on a dirty, cheap shot by Greg Stinking Favors. Like who? Yeah, Greg Favors ended the Eagles season that year. Thanks, dude. Uh, be sure to go get your belief shirt from Philly Goat. Hopefully, we'll have some more news on Nick Sirianni as the day goes. 
Let me know what you think, though. 267-495-8531. Also, question of the day. Should the Sixers trade or should they stand pat at the deadline? If you say trade, what do you think they should be looking for? Be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel, Jimbo underscore Mott. Check out my boys over the Clashing Conferences podcast as well. They have their playoff edition. Um, lots of lots of good fodder uh, this week on the episode. Uh, but again, 267-495-8531. Let me know what you think the Sixers should do at the trade deadline. And am I crazy for thinking Sirianni should be back? Go have yourselves a Thursday. More snow is on the horizon for tomorrow. It's going to be another cold one, but that's okay. It's winter time. Pitchers and catchers less than a month away. This has been This Day in Philly Sports History. I'm Jim Montgomery, and until next time, I'll see you when I see you.